You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Half-truths are these little statements that are used by Christians, and they sound Christian, like you might find them in the Bible or something, but, but they're not. And they have an element of truth, but they're just not true. And the problem is that they have caused a great deal of harm. The challenge is that we hear them and we use them so often. So in this sermon series, we're examining these half-truths on a quest to find the whole truth. This week, we're looking at this one. God helps those who help themselves. Half-truth or whole truth? Well, the Barna Research Group found that 8 out of 10 Americans think God helps those who help themselves is actually in the Bible. And more than half of those who responded were actually strongly convinced that this is one of the main messages of Scripture. In fact, that statement is historic. It it dates back pre-Christ in some forms. And we know it today because of the founding father, Ben Franklin. He made it popular through his Poor Richard's Almanac. And this is a great example of where we've blurred the lines between Christianity and what it means to be an American. And as a result, we've caused ourselves to see this half-truth as something that's a biblical truth. So let's take a look this morning at where we find the scriptural roots for this particular idea. It's got some roots in a passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. Uh, Paul writes, even when we were with you, giving you this command, if anyone doesn't want to work, they shouldn't eat. We hear that some of you are living an undisciplined life. They aren't working, but they're meddling in other people's business. By the Lord Jesus Christ, we command and encourage such people to work quietly and to put their own food on the table. Now, in this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica to remind them not to be freeloaders in the church. If you remember, the model of the early church was the one that we see most often in the book of Acts. It was a very communal setting, and the believers shared everything together, their possessions, their meals, their life. The point was that they saw that their lives were wrapped up with each other, that their new faith in Jesus brought them together, and that they wanted to pool resources, pool opportunities, so that they could help out anyone who was in need and make all feel welcome. The idea was that if someone had a need, the church could easily help them out. But apparently, not everybody was working. Some of them were sitting around on social media and stirring up trouble with their gossip. They were meddling in other people's business. And Paul says to them, get to work, put your own food on your own table and stop leeching off of others. And if we read this verse, we can see how this idea of God helps those who help themselves makes sense. But there's something bigger that's happening if we look at the big story of this verse. To help us get into this framework, I want to share another half-truth that is a close cousin, and it's this one. Pull yourself up 
by your bootstraps. I've heard that through the course of my life, and it's always made sense to me until one day when I was running late. I grabbed my brown dress shoes from my closet, I slipped them on quick, and I pulled up on my laces hard to tie them, and snap. I panicked. The laces broke right there in my hands. Each hand had a fist of lace in it. And I didn't have time to change outfits and figure out a different outfit. And honestly, who among us keeps another pair of brown laces? But the quick thinking of my wife directed me to my hiking boots. They're also brown. And I pulled out those laces from my hiking boots. I quickly relaced my brown dress shoes. I cut off the extra with the scissors and I ran out the door. And the lesson for me was this. You can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But what happens when your bootstraps break? You need help. I think most of the time, this phrase, whether pull yourself up by your bootstraps or God helps those who help themselves, most often this phrase is spouted when we talk about what level of obligation do I have to help someone else? And unfortunately, most often I've heard this phrase used around those who are experiencing homelessness or those who are poor. And the logic of God helps those who help themselves, what we say is, if people who are homeless wanted to do better, they could. It's their own fault. But that's not true. The truth is that a vast majority of persons who are homeless would, if they could, but cannot help themselves out. They are trapped in a cycle of poverty, or they have run out of luck, or they're struggling with finances, or there's been a series of cataclysmic events one after another that just stripped everything away. There's just no self-help that can pull them up by their bootstraps. In Adam Hamilton's book called Half-Truths, which this series is based on, he shares a story. Adam was a recent seminary graduate. He was full of excitement. He was full of knowledge and ideas and was ready to put it into practice. And he just so happened to cross paths with a man who was homeless and asking for money. And he recalls the man asking, hey, can you spare me some money for lunch? Adam thought he could do better than that. And he took the man to lunch. Over lunch, Adam offered to help him to find a job. And so he suggested starting with a basic resume. And so Adam wrote down his name. And then Adam asked for his contact information. He said, dude, I don't have a phone. I don't have an address. So they skipped that. Adam asked about his education and found that it was pretty limited. So moved on to references. And the man said, if I had references, I wouldn't be out here on the street. Now, Adam, who is ever the pragmatist, suggested that they try a different track. He opened up a copy of the Kansas City Star, began looking for jobs with this man as they scrolled through all the help wanted ads. And Adam concludes by saying, what I really found out after an hour and a half of sitting with this man was how very little I know about the situations in which many homeless people find themselves. 
people often face challenges that they don't know how to overcome on their own, or they don't have access or the resources to fix it. For example, you and I have safe places to keep our important documents, right? Our driver's license stays secure in our wallet. We have access to a safe deposit box, whether at a bank or a fireproof safe in our home. My own eyes were open one day when talking with someone who was living on the streets currently, and they asked the question, where do I keep my stuff safe when I'm sleeping in the park? That really hit me. And so we realize and remind ourselves that a person who is homeless hasn't chosen this for themselves. The whole truth here is that there is a large multitude of factors that thrust people into homelessness, for example, that keep them there. And the reality is that people would gladly choose otherwise if able. If we're getting to the whole truth, most often those who lean on this phrase of God helps those who help themselves or pull yourself up by your bootstraps, most often when we use this phrase, we use it as an escape from the biblical obligation to help others. We use it as an escape from the biblical obligation to help others. So this morning, I want to invite us to look at the whole truth. Here's the whole truth. God helps those who cannot help themselves. God helps those who cannot help themselves. Because the Bible never says, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 27, which is an amazing summary of really the core message of Scripture of the Bible from beginning to end. James 1, 27 says, True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father, is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. God commands his people to take a special concern for the poor, the orphan, the widow, and the needy. In the category of, quote, all vulnerable people and populations, we find that this is the target audience of the church. Vulnerable groups and individuals are those who are at a higher risk of poverty or social exclusion because of something about them. And because that thing or or that part of them is taken advantage of or it's used against them. We might remind ourselves that in Jesus's day, the poor and the orphan and the widow were some of the most vulnerable populations. Widows were vulnerable because in a male-dominated society, if a woman lost her husband to death, she had very few options to provide for herself if she didn't have an extended family to do that. And the options really were to beg on the streets or prostitution. And we might look at this and say, well, just do something different. Start your own business. We have to remind ourselves that in Jesus's day, the social dynamics and the systems in place and the culture of the time imposed these ideals. The same is true with orphans. It viewed children as really lower class citizens. And so they were vulnerable 
not because of who they are, but because of the way they were viewed. So we can fast forward to today and remind ourselves of the many ways in which women and children are still vulnerable. And we can also think of refugees and immigrants, racial and ethnic minorities, indigenous people and migrant workers. We can think of those who have disabilities, those who are older, those who are HIV positive and AIDS victims, and the lesbian, gay, and transgender community. These are not vulnerable because they need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. That doesn't make sense. These are not vulnerable because they just haven't grabbed hold hard enough of the old American dream. No, they're vulnerable because of the systematic injustice, because of oppression, because of bigotry, and because of the circumstances heaped on them by others. The core message of scripture that we saw in James, uh, verse 127, reminds us that true devotion, true devotion before God, is to care for the vulnerable and their difficulties. We can continue to think about this, not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. There's an ancient practice called gleaning. And in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, we hear this. This command from God, this this law given to the people. When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field. And don't gather every remaining bit of your harvest. Leave these items for the poor and for the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. Gleaning was a part of God's strategy to make sure that those who were struggling had enough. This is so counterintuitive to the way that we live today. We are taught as those who tend our field, whether it's an actual field, or if it's our work and our responsibilities, or our life, or our finances, or our time. We are taught to maximize, to be productive, to gather everything of your land, everything of your time, everything of your money. Harvest all of it. Gather all of that to yourself just in case. And here we hear the call of God that says, leave the edges, leave the margins. And in this ancient practice, of course, the edges of fields, the edge of your field and the edge of your neighbor's field would end up becoming a natural road in between these two fields where people would travel between. And the idea was if that is somebody was in need and traveling on the road or they were hungry, there was some margin in the field that would feed and sustain them. God's command is to leave margin in our lives, in our finances, in our time to care for the vulnerable. God's strategy is to do this through God's people, the church. Now, I want to ask if you've noticed up until this point in the sermon, the way that I'm talking. If you've noticed, I am mentioning them and me, them and us. On one hand, I point to them as the vulnerable, and it kind of makes it sound like us, me, have it all together. (laughs) Like my bootstraps will never break. 
And if they did, I could easily replace them and get back on with my life. And so I want to invite us to hear the words of Psalm 18, verse 6 and 16. It says, In my distress, I cried out to the Lord. I called to my God for help. God heard my voice from his temple. I called to him for help, and my call reached his ears. From on high, God reached down and grabbed me. He took me out of all that water. I want to ask a question. Do you know who wrote the words of this psalm? Was it someone who just couldn't get their act together, right? Their life was falling apart because of that. Maybe someone like King Saul, someone who constantly found ways to do the wrong things. Or maybe it's somebody like Judas who betrayed Jesus. Maybe somebody would call him a bad apple. But the truth is, it was written by one of our favorite characters, King David. The same King David who killed a giant. The David who reigned as king. David who was called a man after God's own heart. And David was someone who pulled himself up by his bootstraps more than many in his life. And yet, here is a person praying to God. Praying. And he doesn't say, God helps those who help themselves. Help me to get it together, Lord. At this time, he's remembering when he felt defeated and completely overrun by his enemies. He remembers a time when his very life was in jeopardy, when the kingdom of God was at stake and on the line, and he literally felt like he was drowning. And he remembers God reaching down and pulling him up and rescuing him from those deep waters. There's a lot of times, like the freeloaders in Thessalonica, where the thing that needs to be done is within our control, right? We've talked so far this morning about how God helps those who cannot help themselves. But now I want to invite us to go a step deeper and see that God helps those who admit they cannot help themselves. You see, the first part of the way that we're fixing these half-truths tells us that our outward service to anyone who is vulnerable is how we live out our faith. The second part calls us to turn that inward to the ways that we cannot help ourselves, to the ways that we are vulnerable. When we really boil this down to this truth that God helps those who admit they cannot help themselves. We can really see the core of what it means to follow God, to recognize that it's not an us and them, to not make those who are vulnerable feel like others, to not pretend like we have it all together. Our life and our faith is both outward, serving others, and inward to ourselves. And we know, of course, that humanity has done a multitude of amazing things. But the thing we have never done well is to rescue ourselves from the overwhelming messes that we get into. Think about on an individual and personal level, the financial and medical or abusive and overwhelming things of life, or the things that 
we experience as a world, corruption, war, famine, and terrorism, just to name a few. It'd be nice if we could just help ourselves, right? Pull ourselves by up, up by our bootstraps. But of course, when we look at this, we realize that these issues are just too deep, that they're too systemic, that they're too rooted in the culture and the world as we know it. And so I want to invite you to hear this passage from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. It says, But when the fulfillment of time came, God sent his son, born through a woman and born under the law. This was so that he could redeem those under the law so that we could be adopted. Here's what's happening. God reaches down to us, to humanity, and rescues us in Jesus Christ. God pulls us up when we could not pull ourselves up. This is our salvation, and this is God's work. And what this means is that we have to come to a place where we surrender. We surrender that we cannot save ourselves. We surrender all the things that we should be able to do. We call out to God for help. God reaches down and rescues. You see, we live in a half-truth when we try to paint a fresh white coat of paint over our struggles. When we try to live this suburban dream to make everything on the outside look pretty and perfect, when on the inside we're struggling. And we do that in subtle ways by saying things like, I'm fine, but we're not. Or I can handle this, but we know that we're not. Or don't worry about me, I'm okay, I've got this. When God might have sent that one person, that concerned family or friend, to help. There's a quote from Bob Goff that says, We're all a little broken. We don't need more varnish. We need a carpenter. So do we need a carpenter today? Can we be vulnerable enough with God and with each other to admit that? To admit the ways that we've been going at it alone. To admit that the bootstraps have broken and if we could pull ourselves up by them, we would have. And so now we come to the place of surrender. Surrender to the one who can pull you out. Because the half-truth is that God helps those who help themselves, but the whole truth is that God helps those who admit that they can't help themselves. Coming back to those, those boots and those brown dress shoes. I still have those shoes, and each time I put them on, I think to myself, oh yeah, I should probably go ahead and buy some new laces. <laughs> the humor for me is that those hiking boot laces are still in my brown shoes, my brown dress shoes, even with the frayed ends. And I think to myself, oh, I hope nobody notices that these nice dress shoes have hiking boot laces. But you see, each time I put these shoes on, I see those laces, and I remember the truth that I need to hear, that God helps those of us who can admit that we can't help ourselves. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. 
If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.